0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge.
1: There is a pull out of 2024 National Democratic Primary Possible's. If Joe Biden does not run, from Echelon Insights of uh, 500 likely voters taken in the last week, uh, presumably <laughs> for a national survey, this has still got some mathematics behind it. Number one, Vice President Harris, 27%. Number two, Buttigieg at 14%. Elizabeth Warren, 8%. ocasio cortez 6 Newsom, six. Amy Klobuchar in Minnesota, five. Cory Booker, five. Abrams. Whitmer at only three percent. I thought she'd be higher. Warnock, Bashir, Cooper. Now we're getting names you don't know that well. Oh, here's one. Pritzker, one percent. Um, it's early. Uh, this the, All this says is who have you heard of, if you ask me. Not who do you know and who do you think would make a good candidate. Um. Oh, no, know, Eric Zorn, what do you think about that survey that I just mentioned?
0: Well, I'm a little surprised that Gretchen Whitmer is not higher on that yeah, list. She's, she's pretty high on my list in terms of, of uh, swing state Democrats who have really shown themselves to be strong campaigners and have a lot of appeal, uh, across, a cross-partisan appeal. Uh, I'm surprised, I guess, a little bit that Kamala Harris is so high on that list because I hear a lot of people saying that they don't think she can win, that they don't think she's got the, uh, the ability to take it all the way against a Trump or a DeSantis or, uh, uh, or whoever the Republicans put up. So, and also, I think Pritzker will, will make a better impression the more he's out there, because the, he's a fine speaker, and he's got a pretty good record here in Illinois, and I, I think he could, be, he could be a force to be reckoned with as well. Uh, you know, I don't know. So, some of these people, like like Buttigieg, he's a very impressive figure. Uh, I, I've wondered whether the country is ready for a gay president. I hope so, but I'm skeptical about that. Uh, he's also already run once, so there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a you, know, you had your chance thing that that might happen with that. So that was an interesting survey, but I think you're right to point out that it's really really early. That if you've taken a survey at this point. Uh, this far out in the election of 92, you would have found no support at all for Bill Clinton, and I think probably the same in 1976, 75 for um, Jimmy Carter. So you know, candidates can come a long way
1: in a short time. So. Yeah, people it, across great, the country. Great talk, you know, did, did not know who Barack Obama was. Know, yeah. yeah, it works well for me. But, I mean, Obama <laughs> didn't have a high national profile until the Democratic National Convention, as I recall, right? Wasn't it at—when um, did he get that one famous speech? And everybody goes, who's that guy? And a lot of people in Illinois said, I don't know. But everybody figured it out pretty quickly. <laughs> Eric Zorn is the publisher of the Picayune Sentinel. It's a weekly newsletter with stuff like this, as well as funny stuff, too— if you email ericzorn at gmail.com, he'll add you to his mailing list, the longtime Chicago Tribune columnist who does not think that we should have Election Day as a holiday, huh, Eric?
0: No, I I, I think that, that that that's a bad idea. And I used to think that it was a good idea, but I uh, I decided that uh, uh, I, mean, I, I read a pretty good argument about that in, uh, and, and posted it in today's In today's issue and essentially the the person who argued against it points out that that when you create a holiday that disproportionately benefits people who already face the least obstacles in in voting and 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 so you have uh people who get holidays off are not retail or restaurant workers or low-wage workers the public transportation runs on reduced schedules making it harder for people to get to the polls schools and daycare centers are closed meaning the parents have a harder time getting to the polls UPS doesn't deliver mail. So there's one less day for mail-in voters. And there's, and and the, the argument that this woman made, and and, uh, she's someone on Twitter who identifies herself as an election official in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. She says nothing that election day as a holiday aims to solve. that wouldn't be better solved with expanded access to mail and early voting. Uh, And I'm persuaded by that. I think that, um, that uh, you might create more obstacles for people to vote by making it a holiday than you would by having people vote on Tuesday. Uh, and we've seen an incredible increase in in, uh, in mail-in voting, in Chicago, and early voting. That uh, the the reports out of Chicago this week, two hundred and forty-four thousand or two hundred forty-five thousand early votes as of Monday, and that's that's up from one hundred and sixty-five thousand uh, the same day in twenty nineteen. Um, and so 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 far, we have all these all these ballots cast. And you know who early votes, John, is old people like me. 73% of early votes come from people 55 and older. And I suspect that this is extremely good news for the Paul Vallis campaign.
1: Well, not only do they vote early, but they vote period. Um, uh, my standing is that if you take the people over the age of 55, you've got about 70 percent of the people that are going to vote, that just older people. I'm speaking about the mayor's race now, but it's probably true for the yeah. general election. And if I were to tweak the thing, I would coincide the mayoral, the municipal election with the federal election. With the When we vote for governor and president, that's when we should vote for mayor, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I do think that that's a, that's a, a good idea. Um, I, I am a little ambivalent about it because it would really take the focus off the mayoral race. Right. We've, all been, we've all been following, or a lot of us have been following these debates, reading the stories and the issues, and they've really been making the front page. If you had a senatorial, a congressional a presidential race running at the same time, you would have much less focus on these candidates. The, the media, which is already stretched in these days, would have a much harder time covering the ins and outs of the candidates. I, I feel like that the local media has, in the last week or two, has done a really good job covering this race. I, I was a little disappointed early on at how I thought that, that they weren't really looking at the candidates carefully enough. In early voting, it started, and I was saying, where's the deep dive into Paul Dallas's history? Where, is, where, are, the, where are the stories about Brandon Johnson, uh, his his role? Where are the stories about Mayor Lightfoot and what she's done? That, and, and those stories have all come out in the last couple of days, um, a week maybe, and I think it's really good. I, I've, I already voted. A lot of people have already voted, but uh, uh, you, you imagine a situation where we're all covering the presidential and the senatorial, and the mayor's race would not get this kind of coverage. And I think that, that the media is really all that stands between voters and the propaganda that gets pushed in their mailboxes and on the, on the TV ads. So
1: I'm not sorry. I I can say. I'm not sorry to hear who you voted for. But Chicago Magazine also covered your personal vote in this mayor's race, and you did not vote for the person you liked. You voted for the person who you thought could win. No, no, you voted for a person who you thought could beat somebody that you don't want to win. You did not vote for the candidate you liked the best. That's that's a shame. That's just a shame.
0: Yeah, I, I feel guilty about it. I wrote about this uh, last Thursday's uh, Sentinel, and I, I talked about how I, I ended up voting for Chuy Garcia even though I feel like his campaign is not, has not been very impressive, and uh, as one political operative told me, every time you you want him to hit a home run with an answer to a question, he hits a bloop single. Uh, I'm not impressed with the depth of his policy knowledge or the depth of his plans, but I think that he is the best positioned person to beat Paul Vallis, and Paul Vallis is, is uh, someone who I think is too far to the right for me personally and too far right for, for Chicago. And I I would like to see someone other than Paul Dallas. So I thought uh, looking at Chewie Garcia's poll numbers and looking at the poll numbers and the positions of some of the other candidates, I went with him. In my heart, I would have voted for Sophia King, I'm pretty sure, the, uh, the older woman of the Fourth Ward. I like what she had to say. I, I liked just about everything I saw from her in the campaign. But I, I look at the polls, and she's way down there. And I thought, well, that's just a symbolic vote. And you're absolutely right, John. It, it it feels it feels bad, it's a shame and, and it's a really good argument for ranked choice voting, so that I could you know, support the candidates who I really wanted to win, but then if they didn't do well, then some of my other choices would, would receive some some credit in the in the race as well. So I don't know. Have you decided who you vote for yet? No. He told me the other day, he said, you're going to vote for the person who whose ad you here on the way to the polls.
1: All the commercials I hear, they by God, they are going to fix crime. Uh, I may vote for Willie Wilson if I hear his ad one more time, and I probably will. I have not voted yet, and I, I'm not clear who, I vote, who I'm going to vote for. I did mention to my wife who I was thinking about voting for, and she kind of looked at me curiously like, well, you know, that's a vote that might not be determinate, And I said, well, I don't care that my one single vote, like if you said, hey, John, it's you have to decide. It's all tied up between all the candidates and you're going to decide. Then I, I might vote differently. But um, I think the person who I like the best deserves my vote. I, I said at the beginning of the show today, Eric, that God bless these people. They all do. Lori Lightfoot yeah. herself said they've they, everybody wants to make the city better. And it's too bad that we're not going to pick the person that we think would be most capable of accomplishing that instead of playing this horse game where I'm trading my vote for that vote so that person doesn't win. I'm not being critical of you personally, but I'm just defending the idea that you vote for somebody who has a very low probability of making the cutoff.
0: Yeah, you know, I've talked to a number of people who had the same – were similarly conflicted and similarly walked to the polls – not knowing who they were going to vote for. My wife and I drove up to early vote, and we all the way there, we were like, we weren't sure who we were going to vote for. I was talking to Mary Schmink the other day, our, our friend, the former columnist at the Tribune, and she was telling me how she hadn't decided who she was going to vote for until she was actually in the voting group looking <laughs> at the names. And, and that's unusual because, you know you know me, I'm really involved in this stuff. I follow it really carefully, and my wife follows it carefully. Mary Schmike is very into politics and news. And you're into it, maybe more than we are at this point. And to have us all be undecided tells you a lot about about how we vote and the state of this race.
1: It also tells me, we'll pause here, Eric Zorn's on the phone line, that as crime is the issue, I don't believe any of them have a blueprint to solve it. Although I think they will all take different tacks to try and bring crime down, which, which does maybe take us back to Paul Vallis and why um, he does seem to be on top of the heap right now. Um, you may want to join this conversation. I hope you do. 312-981-7200. By the way, Ted McClellan was on with us the other day from Chicago Magazine. His power ranking on the eve of the election has, not surprisingly, Eric Paul Vallis at number one. I had to laugh. Vallis is so confident, he writes, of finishing first on Tuesdays. Tuesday, he's acting like he's already the mayor. The man who would be Chicago's first Greek-American mayor slipped away the other day to do a radio interview, Busy Man, on Sunday. That was with our Steve Dale. Here's what makes me laugh. Lori Lightfoot has not come on this radio station much in the last four years. She's been on all of our shows and has never been more available in the last week. Ditto all of these other people. Not that we were all calling Jim all Green and Paul Vallis a lot last year, but... Boy, are they all ready to do radio interviews these days, including our Steve Dale on Sunday. Brandon Johnson. I'm not chuckling at you, Steve. It's just, wow. Will they take our calls now? And number two is Brandon Johnson. Lori Lightfoot is number three. If I had to put my house on one of them finishing number two today and it changes by the hour, Eric, I have Lori Lightfoot at number two.
0: Well, you know, you might be right. And the reason would be that the progressive vote, the vote that's furthest to the left, is split between Chewie Garcia and, and Brandon Johnson. And Lynn Sweet did a pretty good column in The Sun-Times talking about what happened, which was that Brandon Johnson was was kind of a placeholder as a potential candidate. And Chewie Garcia, who is a U.S. congressman, as you know, uh, declined to announce he was running for mayor until after the November election. And that's really kind of late for the cycle when you're trying to get get money together, and get petitions on the street and so on. So he waited, and as he was waiting, they, people got more and more nervous that he wasn't saying whether he was going to run. So the, the teachers union put forward Brandon Johnson, started his campaign going. So you've got this progressive community that's split. We talk about how the black vote is going to be split. The, the far-left progressive vote is going to be split as well, and that could – spell real problems for Johnson and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Garcia. And I think that that progressive vote together is going to be greater than Lightfoot's vote. But I would, I would say that you might well be right tomorrow morning. And we might look at this and say, Lightfoot slipped in between those two progressive candidates. Cause there, there, is, there are people who are coming back home to Lightfoot. They've looked at all these candidates yeah. and they thought, well, you know, she was dealt a tough hand. She's, she's abrasive and prickly and, and uh, has had her problems, but Maybe she deserves another four years and yeah. four years without COVID, without this incredible racial strife that we saw, the national explosion of, of racial strife in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. And so maybe she deserves another four year chance. I'm, I'm hearing that as well. So, you know, I, I think I would, I would put my chips in now with your, uh, uh, on yours.
1: Well, I asked her the other day about being abrasive and prickly, and I thought her answer was abrasive and prickly. So Do you think um, uh, that—Johnson's made a name for himself. Do you think that Cam Buckner, Sophia King, and Jamal Green have made a name for themselves that we haven't heard the last of them? Jamal is young. Sophia King um, didn't have the money and the name recognition. But when anybody did recognize her, I thought she was thoughtful and forceful. Um, Cam Buckner is not brand new to Chicago ears. But I just wonder if these three have some sort of future in the city or state.
0: I would, I would suspect Jamal Green does. He's very young. I think he's 27 and uh, he's, he's he's an impressive figure. He's a a good debater. He's got, there's a lot of runway in front of him. Uh, Cam Buckner is going to go back to the uh, general assembly. He is a leader of the black caucus in the house. And so he has a chance to make a name for himself. Sophia King, I, again, I was impressed with her, but she doesn't. She's not just like Roderick Sawyer. She's not going to have an office anymore. She's going to be leaving public life. She didn't run for re-election as an alderman, so she's going to be on the outside, that's going to be trouble for raising money and, and getting a political future. So I would I would guess not for Sophia King and for Roderick Slayer, I think I would guess that they're days of elective office. I don't want anyone to save this recording for years when she wins the mayor's race. But but uh, it does strike me that if, you, that if you're looking at who's got a political future there, I would look at Jim L. Green and Cam Buckner.
1: 773 texted in to say, I don't see the problem of not voting for who you want to win an election. I've often voted against a candidate. Rather than for someone. 773 said, I completely disagree with Eric Zorn. Why not have a candidate that leans a bit more to the right? I'm so tired of the extremes. I think that uh, certainly people outside of Chicago, many of our listeners, feel that way, but they don't get to vote in this. If you ask Chicago Land, who would they vote for? Vallis. Vallas wins out of the gate is is my read of the room. Do you agree with that?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. And my, and my problems with, with Vallas have to do with his, how cozy he's been with certain right-wing groups. And, I, so, and this revelation about a lot of the tweets that his account has liked in the last few years, but, uh, some pretty nasty stuff that his account has liked. And of course, he's blaming it on uh, an uh, un, unnamed hacker, unnamed aide who has done this. And I'm not sure I buy that and i'm also not on his side when it comes to vouchers and his his broad view of, of privatizing right. public education and and that's a deal breaker for me uh you know i I like Paul Vance. I've talked to him many times over the years i i I think he I think he means well, I think he's really smart i think he's a, he knows how to run a big organization pretty well. Uh, I'm not going to be uh you know, burning myself outside if he wins the mayor's race but but i I don't think that his approach is right for Chicago, and I think we would probably have four years of a lot of of conflict in city hall he's the, the mayor but but uh I, I hear where people are coming from and i know that crime is the big issue that that uh, here i am worrying about about things like whether he's he's speaking in front of groups that are anti-trans or whether he's speaking in, in whether he's pushing vouchers and so on uh, when we don't maybe not have the luxury to talk about that maybe we need yeah. someone who's going to get a hold of the crime problem i, I hear that I well,
1: understand that. to that point one last note from one of our listeners with one minute left eric i do not live in the chicago area obviously i'm not eligible to vote that being said i find it humorous anyone thinks any of these candidates is going to make a significant change in that town chicago is what chicago is crime will always be there like in any large town and corruption will always be there too um, yeah, I think both of those things are true, but the degree to which they are true is what we're trying to mitigate, and hopefully one of these candidates can put put their thumb on the scale and push it the other way, Eric.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the text is correct that these problems are always going to be with us. I do think that some of these candidates do stand a chance of, at mitigating these problems, making them, bringing them under some better control. So, so, yeah, I agree with you.
1: I will talk to you tomorrow when we record the Mincing Rascals podcast. We'll continue this conversation as well as other things in the news. It's always nice to hear and read you, Eric. Great talking to you, John. Thank you. He's the publisher of the Picayune Sentinel. If you email Zorn at gmail.com, a lot of you do after you hear him on the radio. You, he'll sign you right up. Just email Zorn at gmail.com.